All right. Good evening, everyone. If you are watching this on Sunday on Father's Day, then happy Father's Day. If you're watching this on Tuesday, hey, you missed Father's Day. Um, if you watch this any other time in the future, Father's Day was sometime in the past and it's coming up sometime in the future. Anyways, happy Father's Day. It's summer solstice today. It's my 23rd anniversary today. I mean, it's people's birthday today. I don't know who, but there's, there's people who are born on this day all around the world. So a uh, good day for, for celebration and, and happiness and all that kind of stuff. Again, a shout out to the Tuesday group. Uh, Going to be watching this on Tuesday. Thank you for giving it a go this week. Anyways, glad you're all here with us. Glad you're all here with us. Today we're going to be continuing this study entitled Helpful Compassion. Helpful Compassion. And my heart behind this series is to help us to love our neighbor helpfully. To, to love our neighbor in helpful ways with great compassion as we live through these days together of great unheaval. If you happen to be watching this in the future, in, in a couple years from now, we are living through the, the great upheaval of COVID-19. COVID-19 is, is a, you know, it's about the coronavirus that started in 2019. It is not about the amount of weight that I've been putting on during this pandemic, but it, it feels like that. Anyways, uh, we're going through COVID-19. The world is mostly still shut down, or at least Scotland still shut down in order to contain this virus. It's an awful time for many people and their experiences. Fear is extremely high. Anxiety is off the charts. Isolation is uncomfortably um, prolonged and, and everywhere and it's been going on for months. People have lost income. Uh, there, people have slipped into depression. Mental illnesses is up. Domestic, domestic awfulness is up. Uh, we've, been, we've been mostly restricted to being at home, although great news, we can now use somebody's toilet somewhere. Like, like we can now use, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's a, that's a win right now. Like we're, we're so uh, in such great isolation, huge amounts of isolation, no fun isolation. Lives are being shaken. People's lives are being shaken. We talked about five ways people are, are being shaken in these days. We've talked about how the health, people's health, it's, it's a virus, it's a, it's a pandemic. Uh, people's health is being shaken. Uh, people's wealth, their finances are being shaken in this moment. People's identity, their sense of identity, even in the churches, people are like, oh man, I, I, I find my identity. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the sound guy, or I'm the, you know, like, I'm the welcomer, I'm the greeter, I, I work with the kids, and, and all that's kind of shaken jobs and all that sort of stuff. People's identity is being shaken. Um, um, socially and relationally, all of our relationships are all are, are different now. They're, they're via screens and, and Zoom and all that kind of stuff. We're not able to meet in cafes. And then also there's this huge uh, movement of, of justice in the world right now. Not only are we living through a global pandemic, but, but with the murder of George Floyd by a white police officer in the United States, the world is now going through an incredible and wonderful corrective against multi-generational systemic global racism and, and, and injustice. Our, our past, people are waking up to this, this sense that our past, not just in the U.S., but, but around the world, our past is full of great evil when it comes to racism. Our past is, is, uh, needs a great amount of repentance. And it's amazing to live in these days where the whole world is waking up to the, to the systemic evil, to the global evil, and trying to move towards a better future. We're very excited about the, the trajectory that our world is on at this particular moment, but that justice issue is going on as well. And, and it, so again, if you're watching this in the future, this is what's going on in our world today. 
The reason, the reason the world is, is virtually shut down for many months is connected to this highly contagious virus, which has been responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people around the world. What it's been like to live in these days is every day, every day we get updates about how many people died in the last 24 hours or how many deaths were reported in the last 24 hours specifically connected to the coronavirus or COVID-19. Every day, for months, you wake up in the morning, this many people have died in Scotland in the last 24 hours or how many deaths have been registered. This is how many deaths were registered in the UK. This is how many registered deaths took place in, I don't know, we, we get randomly, we had to hear from Spain and from Italy or maybe from Brazil or from the U.S. We're getting daily updates about how many people have died specifically with this coronavirus. It, it is a really strange moment. Now, I don't know who's watching today or in the future, but my hope is that your, that your family, that your family has not been personally impacted by someone close to you dying. And yet I know, I know the chances are that many of you have been impacted. There are people who you know have been impacted. And, and if, if you you're, yourself haven't been impacted, there's a great chance that you're going to be interacting with people in this season who have lost loved ones, whose loved ones have died in this, in this season. So today, we're going to be talking about helpful compassion. And, and as we talk about how to love our neighbor well, I want to equip you. I want to equip you as God's people how to love your neighbor if you discover they are grieving. They're, if they're grieving the death of someone that they love. Now, naturally, we're not all that good at this when it comes to uh, being uh, adult people or whatever. Um, actually, let me just say it this way. Uh, cats and dogs, cats and dogs tend to naturally be way better uh, at, at, at loving people well in times of grief than, than, than adults. They have this simple love, this simple acceptance, this simple non-judginess, the sensitivity towards sorrow. Just, just, they just know how to just be there. They're not trying to fix anything. They're just being close to you. They're just comforting you. Cats and dogs, they seem to do pretty great when it comes to, when it comes to having helpful compassion on those who are grieving. Maybe be a good starting point if you're clueless on what to do if if you come across somebody who's who's struggling with grief of any kind maybe a good starting point is just to ask yourself the question connected to one of the greatest acronyms of all time i mean it's in the top 1 million acronyms w w m c o d d you got that w w m c o d d in fact, go ahead, if, you're, if you're type, if you got the chat there, go ahead and type that down. Type that down. W-W-M-C-O-D-D. W-W-M-C-O-D-D. You got that in the chat there? That stands for what would my cat or dog do? What would my cat or dog do? There you go. That, that, if you're lost, that, that would be a, a good guidance moment. That's free. And, pro- and the answer is to probably just be there. Be there, be present, be quiet as as we cry and grieve. Anyways, uh, that's not in the Bible, but, but if you're clueless, that might be a good place to start. Anyways, let's talk about grief today. Let's talk about grief today, and my hope is that uh, after this time, we, we will be way better equipped to express helpful, keyword helpful, helpful compassion to our neighbor uh, who's grieving. Now, we're going to do this in th- in three steps today. Number one, we're going to have some pre-notes on grief, three pre-notes on grief, 
just biblical um, premises. Secondly, we're going to look at a biblical case study, a case study of a person in the Bible who is going through grief. And then thirdly, we're going to talk through some super practical do's and don'ts. 21 of them actually. 21 super practical do's and don'ts at the very end about how to uh, love your neighbor who is in a time of grief. What to do and what not to do. Okay, ready? That's where we're going to go. Okay, so first of all, some biblical pre-notes on grief. Just just quick, uh, quick notes here. Number one, grief is godly. Grief is godly. And what I mean by that is God grieves. It is, it is a thing that God himself does. As we read every week, uh, or as we talk about every week at the beginning of the services in Genesis chapter 6, we read, when the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was nothing but evil all the time, Every scheme his mind thought of was nothing evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. He he regretted that he'd made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. God, who is perfect, grieves. Every every person of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, have grief uh, connected to them in some way or another. Like the Holy Spirit, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's a God attribute. And as people who are made in God's image, in his likeness, our grief and grieving reflects a goodness, a rightness connected to our creator. That's number one. Number two, grief is the right response. Grief is the right response to pain and death. If your emotions are in sync with the God of heaven, sorrow and grief will flow when someone you love dies. If your emotions are healthy and in line with God, grief and sorrow will flow. That's number two. Thirdly, grief is to be for a season. Not forever, not for a day, for a season. Uh, grief is to be for a season. And, and we see this all through the Bible, seasons of grief. And, and, and that's a good thing. But again, it can't last forever. A few years ago, during the Joseph series, I don't know how many years ago that was, um, I did a message on Jacob and how he, his season of grief went on for like 20 years. It went on way too long. And we talked about the toxicity because he never fully went through all the season, all the stages of grief and he got stuck there and, and it got toxic after 20 years. If you, wanna, if you want more on grief and you can go back to the Joseph series and, and look for that message um, about Jacob. But anyways, we see so many good examples of seasons of grief in the Bible, even, even people being proactive about that. The whole nation after, after Moses dies just being like, okay, 30 days, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going anywhere. We are just going to sit right here, and as a nation, we are going to grieve. We're going to grieve for 30 days at the death of of Moses. That's good stuff. All that to say is, people, when it's time to grieve, grieve. Like, actually grieve. Go for it. You don't have to be tough in that moment. You can let yourself grieve. You You don't need to stuff it in that moment. Grieve. Get it out. It's for a season. It's for a season. And do that because grieving is good, it's godly, it's, it's healing. All right. If your neighbor is grieving, if your neighbor is grieving, let them grieve. Your job, your job is not to get your neighbor to stop grieving. That's not what your job is. Your job is to help them grieve well. To grieve, to grieve 
to, to help them get all that sorrow and, and that pain in their heart, to get it out in, in a loving environment, in a safe environment, in a patient environment, giving them space to talk without judging them. We'll talk about some of the practicals in a moment. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that's, that's your job. It's not to get them out of grieving. It's not to make them feel happy in that moment. Okay, so let's, let's talk through a case study. A case study. So the last case study I did was Jacob, which we talked about. This time I want to look at grief through the eyes of someone I've talked about recently, a time or two. Uh, Job. Job. He is someone who experiences a lot of, of grief based on the death of his loved ones. Now, I'm not going to read Job uh, out loud uh, right now. I'm going I'm to talk through the story. But again, you can find the story in the book of Job. I've read from it uh, quite a bit recently. But yeah, it's in the Bible if you want to read it. But I'll, I'll sum it up for us today just to keep it moving. The story begins with Job, highly blessed a, a, a man who loves God, who, who shuns evil, say, stays away from evil. Highly, highly, highly successful. The, the most successful man in all of the East. And he had a wife. He had seven sons. He had three daughters. And then, and then tragedy struck his house, shockingly. And in one day, he learns that all of his great wealth has been gone, is gone. It's been either taken, stolen, destroyed. It's completely gone. And on the same day, he learns that a, a great windstorm, think tornado, right? Think tornado, destroyed the house that his 10 kids were in. And they all died in, the, in that accident, in that, in that tragedy. So the house collapses. And in one day, all of his wealth is gone and, and his 10 kids um, die. Now, as readers of the book of Job, we get a little bit of a hint about what's going on. We get some behind-the-scenes stuff there. Uh, but in Job's experience, all he knows is that it was a really bad day. He lost everything, and, ten, and his ten kids, all ten of his kids, tragically died. And so, that's his context, and in that great anguish and grief, what does Job do? Well, he stood up, he tore his robe, that agony, that, that just, that heart-rending, that, that tearing of his robe. He shaved his head. I highly recommend it. He shaved his head. He fell to the ground, and, and then he worshiped God. He worshiped God, saying, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Day one. Day one, all this tragedy strikes, all ten of his children die in, in one accident, and he falls down, and he worships God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's chapter one of the book of Job. Day one, he responds appropriately in his grief with great anguish, with great anguish, and, and yet also worshiping God. Now, I just want to say something about grief to us who have been Christians for a while, when people we love die, and when they die suddenly and, and, and unexpectedly, it can really throw us spiritually sometimes if we're, if we're not like in a, in a truthful mindset about life and the world that we live in. Maybe we can start to worry that, oh man, this, this tragedy struck, I must have done something wrong. And we think that maybe, maybe God's punishing us because we're feeling this intense pain and grief. And so we think that maybe, maybe there's something wrong. But I just want to remind you that when it comes to grief and tragedy, like everybody goes through grieving seasons. 
It's painful. You live long enough and you are going to experience grief at some point. Grief of, grief of, of, of loved ones. Maybe of family members. Maybe of parents or friends. Uh, the death of maybe your spouse or, or children. Sometimes when, when life's been going good for a while and maybe you've been walking with God for a long time, you can start to think, you know, that, that, that things are generally going to go well for you and you're going to be exempted out of experiencing such intense, uh, pain, the intense pain of, of, of grief. You're, you'll get out of that happening to you. But everybody who lives long enough goes through that. That painful and surprising grief uh, happens. That happens and it's, it's, not, it's not a... It's not something to throw you spiritually. None of us are above experiencing the tragic loss and ultimately untimely death sometimes of loved ones. So Job experiences this in chapter 1. And then things get worse for him. He loses his health. He's covered with boils and that's awful. This is in chapter 2. In chapter 2, his wife turns against him. And she basically encourages Job to curse God and die. He says, Job, you're still maintaining your integrity why don't you just go and curse God and die? Now, before we blast Job's wife, uh, which, which I think is really easy to do in that moment, you're looking at Job, you're looking at his anguish, and, and it's so easy to be like, wow, wow, she's not there for him at this moment. I just want you to remember that Job's wife needs helpful compassion as well. As well. She's just lost Ten of her children, all ten of her children in this tragedy as well. I, I, don't, I don't know how you think this works, but 4,000 years ago, it took two people to have, to have kids. And so you've got, you've got Job and his wife, and, they, and they've had these ten kids together. And she was probably, historically speaking, way closer to these ten kids of theirs than Job himself was. Like, relationally, he would be way more close to these, these children. The, tra the tragedy is going to strike her heart much more deeply than, than Job. So she has, she's lost all ten of her kids in, in this day. She's experiencing this great grief and tragedy. All ten of her kids die. Of course, she is not at her best right now. This is not a moment to judge her for the, for the comments that, that she's making. It seems like she has grown bitter in this awful moment, but it is an awful moment for her. Probably the worst day of her entire life right here. Loving our neighbor well requires so much patience. It requires so much grace. It requires so much compassion, and you've got to stomp out this tendency to, to judge people. You cannot judge this grieving woman, Job's wife. Do not judge her for what she says to Job at this moment. It's not her best moment. She needs grace for her deep soul pain. Everybody does. Everybody does. And then at the end, that's... that's middle bit of chapter 2 and then at the end of chapter 2 Job's three friends show up and they come to sympathize with him and to comfort him now that's great they come to sympathize and comfort that is why they, they've come 
And that's exactly what I know that you want to do. If you, if you find out that someone in your life is grieving, uh, that you're going to want to sympathize with them and, and, and comfort them. And, they, and at first they do a great job with that. For seven days, they are great friends to Job. They are great when it comes to his grieving process. They weep with Job. They sit down and they, they weep with him. They tear their own robes. They join in his anguish and grief and, and in this awfulness of the moment. And they sat down with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. They're, they're being like like... Like a great cat and a dog. They're, 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 they're being great. They're just sitting there with him. They're not talking. It says they don't say a thing. They're just being there. They're, they're, they're right there. They're with their friend who is, who is suffering in this great intense anguish. This is WWMCODD at its best right here. Right here. Job chapter 2 at the end of chapter 2. But then Job starts talking. And, and I think that's important to, to highlight. Job talks first. His friends don't talk first. Job talks first. And when Job starts talking, you can see that he's, he's gone into a darkness. Uh, in chapter 1, we saw day 1, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, after a few days, how many days? Well, seven, his, his friends have been there. But I don't know how long it took them to hear the news and then to come in to, to that place, uh, to, to, to show up there. But his friends are there. It's been a few days. And now he's in, he's in a pretty dark place. In fact, he's cursing the day he was born. He's in such grief and anguish. And he, he curses the day he was born. He wishes he was never born. He's hurting. He's expressing just how awful he feels in, the, in this moment. Now, everyone, this is important. People who are grieving, they're in so much pain. They need graciousness from you. They, they need patience from you. And they need love from you. In fact, why don't you just type those into the chat right now. Those three words. Graciousness, patience, love. Those are the things that they need from you. Graciousness, patience, and love. Graciousness, patience, and, and love. People are going to say things in their pain that you know are not good. They're going to say things that, that, that you know is just wrong, and it can be so easy to hear someone say that they wish they were never born or they wish they were dead and want to tell them off for saying such a thing. They're in anguish. They don't need to be told off. They need a safe person. They need safe people, maybe, to be patient with them, to sit there lovingly with them, to, to be there and, and, and let them pour out some very toxic, dark thoughts, getting them out so that they don't stay inside. They need that safe, loving environment. And this is where the story goes bad in, in Job, uh, because his friends... Although they were brilliant for seven days, they couldn't let Job's grief-filled, anguish-filled words go, and they jumped in to correct him. And, and they started even reproving him for his bad theology and his bad thoughts at, at particular moments, at least bad in their estimation. Look, guys, if your neighbor is grieving, if anybody in your life is grieving, they need patience for the things that they might be saying in their pain. You, you might have to just overlook some stuff that's being said in their pain. And they're going to need grace for having bad theology. Now, as your pastor, I'm telling you, in this context, it's okay to overlook some bad theology in that moment of grief and pain. 
It's okay to be gracious that their theology isn't perfect when their suffering is, is off the charts. They don't need perfect theology in that moment. They need love. They need grace. They need patience. And you have to understand they're working through a process. So let them work through it and, and love them and just be there. Well, Job's friends, they're, they're genuinely trying to be helpful, and I believe that. I believe they're trying to be helpful. They're, they're trying to lead Job in what they believe, although they're not correct on this, what they believe is down a truth-filled path. Um, they're, they're wrong, but I think they have a good heart here. And, and I know how hard it can be, and you probably know how hard it can be to see people that you love struggling with their faith in God, struggling with, 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 with their having right thoughts about God when they're in their pain and grief, when you see them suffering and see them angry and see them frustrated. But no matter how good these three friends' intentions, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, no matter how good their intentions their wise words were not only not helpful, but they were hurtful. They wanted to be there to, to show compassion and to sympathize, but they ended up being hurtful. And that's why we're talking about this today. We're talking about this today because we can have the best hearts in all the world when it comes to um, seeing someone who is grieving and we can give them lots of time and we can listen to them well, but it's so easy to cross that line in a delicate moment and actually be hurting a person that we want to be helping. So that's why we're talking about this. These guys, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they have watched their friends go through what looks like a dark depression and, 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 and be upset at God, and they want to bring him out. And they, and they try for 27 chapters to, to bring him out. And then finally, they give up. And another guy, a guy named Elihu, starts speaking. And you see this in, beginning in chapter 32 of the book of Job. And Elihu start saying something differently than Job's three friends. Now, Elihu is, seems to be a bit smarter than the other three. He's been quiet all the way through this time. And then finally, Elihu is, is pretty simple. I, I mean, it goes on for a couple chapters, but he's pretty simple in what he says. And, and basically, he says something like, Job, like I see that you're really grieving. And these guys, these guys are not making it better. I'm frustrated with those guys too. He says, I, I see that you're really grieving, and, and maybe, Job, you are a bit off in your words. You know, your, your theology about God might be off a little bit, but there's one little thing that I want to just remind you of when it comes to God. I'm going to make this really simple, Elihu is like, God is still good. Whatever, whatever you're feeling and, and, and however upset you are that this has happened to you, just, just one little thing, Job. God is still good. God is still good. That is an, a simple anchor statement for anybody who's grieving. In fact, if you're, if you're there and you, I want you to type those words. God is still good. Type those into the chat right there. God is still good. The simple, simple, simple truths that, that, we, that we can hold on to slightly uh, in times when our world seems to be falling apart. Okay, no matter what, God is still good. Now, I, I mentioned Elihu here, and I, and I mentioned this idea of him pointing out that God is still good because, because in the grief process, the, the pain that people are going through can be so overwhelming, it can be hard to think clearly anymore. 
It, it can be hard to hold on to these, maybe these deeper truths of God. And, and, and we see a bit of this with Job. Very often, um, over time, our journey through grief uh, needs us to kind of rebuild a little bit of our theology that kind of maybe crumbles in, in a dark moment. And when, we, when you rebuild, you got to start rebuilding by the most simple, simple, simple things. And that's where Elihu helps him. It's like, okay, in all of this, Job, I just want you to remember that God is still good. Other things that we can rebuild in, in the simple, simple things is God still loves me. In fact, why don't you type that in the chat right now? God still loves me. These are anchor truths. These are anchor truths at any, any second of your life. This is true every second of your life. God still loves you. God is with you. God can make good things out of every awful moment of your life. But the thing is, in grief, and like what Job is going through and what we go through, people often dip out of truth for a bit. And Job doesn't do this very much, but we can do this all the time. And we can dip into some lies, like maybe, maybe feeling like, you know, God's abandoned me, or, or God is angry at me, or God doesn't care about me anymore, or God doesn't like me anymore, or he's forgotten me. You know, whatever the case, we start getting, uh, getting upset at God, and we get angry at God because we're feeling so much pain. And so surely that means that God's not holding up his end of the bargain because if he was only in the bargain, I wouldn't be feeling this, this, the, the intensity of this pain that I'm going through. But the way through grief is that we let simple, simple truths start to replace those grief-driven lies. And we say, no, 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 no. God is still good. Okay. God does still love me. God is still with me. In fact, why don't you type that one? God is still with me. God is still with me. God is still with me. So that's what kind of happens with Job and his life. And that's his journey. And then ultimately at the end, we see this great restoration and, and Job's life. Um, the second half is blessed much more than the first half. There's a lot more to the story. That was just a look just at the grief aspect of, of Job. But it's, it's a power, powerful story. Okay, let's talk about some practical, practical, helpful, compassion, how-tos. This is extremely how to love your neighbor well. And we're going to talk through 21 do's and don'ts. That's right, 21 do's and don'ts. I'm going to spend less than 10 minutes on each one. No, 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 I'm going to go through this really quickly. 21 do's and don'ts for when someone you know is grieving. Now, I want to also note that, that everyone's different. Everyone's different. There are, there, there are gen, these are generally true things. This is not Bible uh, necessarily, but this is, this is guidance. Think of them more like Proverbs, uh, things that are, that are helpful. But again, everyone's different, and, and some of these can be, be shuffled. In fact, as I go through these, you feel free in the chat to be like thumb, thumbs up or, or amen or, or just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no, this is not a time for thumbs down. No, boo, that's not what I like. No, no, just, just, this is only affirmation. Feel free to be affirming as you want as we blaze through these super quickly, okay? Drop all the amens you want. Number one, do let them grieve. Let them grieve. Do let them grieve. We are called to comfort people, but comforting people isn't about stopping their tears today. 
And I feel like people are getting confused about this. If they're comforted, they will not be crying. No, that is not true. Comforted people isn't about stopping their tears today. It's about being with them, comforting them in their tears, comforting them in their grief, not comforting them so they get out of it today. It's about being comforting in it, in the mess of it all. It requires good and patient and, and gracious, you know, just loving them. Do let them grieve. Don't, don't stop someone crying, number two. Don't stop someone crying. Don't say don't cry. Crying is good. It, it, it's healthy. Number two, number two, number two. Uh, don't, don't stop someone crying. Uh, crying is good, healthy. Jesus cried, let them cry. It's, it's okay to be silent and, and, and just let them cry. It's fine. It's fine. Again, W-W-M-C-O-D-D. You know, like your cat would just be sitting there. Your dog would just be sitting there while you cry. That's totally fine. Don't stop someone crying. Number three, do acknowledge how bad it really is. Do acknowledge how bad it really is. Death is awful. I don't believe that we were created to, to die. And, and in fact, but, but instead I believe that the wages of sin, the result of sin entering the world, is death. And yet in the end we see about Jesus putting that final enemy under his feet and the last enemy being death and, and destroying that forever. We will get back to this place where there is no more death. But death is awful. And we can acknowledge that it's awful. Number four. Don't try and spin everything positive. You know, let them grieve. Oh, don't grieve, they're in heaven. Ah, don't, don't uh, you, know, they, they, you know, they lived a good life. Okay, no, just, you don't have to spin everything positively. You know, make, you might feel like it's hard to watch them grieve, but you can let them grieve. You don't have to spin it positively. Number five, do listen. Listen. In fact, just type listen in the chat right now. Just type listen. This one is, is so crucial. Listen. Don't talk. Zip it. Zip it. Don't talk. Listen. Let them do all the talking. Or let them do no talking at all, but you don't talk. Five, do listen. Number six, don't compare your experiences. Don't sit there and just telling them your story about how you went through this process that's kind of, that was grieving and, and it was kind of like you know, my, your great aunt six times removed kind of had this feeling and I, you know, felt this feeling of grief and so you kind of somehow understand what they're feeling and just don't do that. Don't, don't, don't talk. Like go back to number five. Do listen. Listen. Number six. Don't compare your experiences. It's about them doing the talking, and that's why we jump to number seven. Seven is do ask questions. If you're going to talk, it better be a question. It better be short. The question is things like, what memories jump out at you when you think of that person right now? Talk to me about some of your favorite stories. What, what, is it, what are some of your, your favorite memories of this person? What did you admire about this person? What inspires you about this person? What's something that, that you, you want to take with you as, you as you continue to remember this person? Ask them questions and let them talk. Uh, number, number eight, don't comment on their appearance, good or bad. I mean, that's, just, that's a fine tip for life for most people. Just don't comment on their appearance. It's, it's a non-issue. Just don't do that when they're grieving. Number nine, do offer to connect them to people who are going through a similar time. They don't have to take you up on it. They can say no, but, but that's a really big way to help people. You're grieving right now at this moment. They're grieving right now at this moment. Walking together, that can be really powerful. Ten, don't cross the street to avoid talking to them. 
That's what jerks do. We're not, we're not jerks. We're Jesus people. Very different. And so uh, don't, don't be walking around a corner and be like, whoa, there they are. No, no, no. That's not what we do. Um, we don't avoid. We don't cross the street. Avoid. That's just mean, and they're going to notice it. No, I don't think they saw it. No, they saw it. Uh, they saw it. Don't do that. 11, don't avoid saying the person's name. The person's name who died. Sarah. Sarah died. Chris Chris died. Like, like oh man, I, I sure miss Chris. Instead of like, I sure miss your, your uncle. No, just, I sure miss, I sure miss Chris. You know, like say their name. Don't avoid saying the person's name. We get all awkward about that. No, it's okay. People want the people that they love remembered. And so you can say their name. Uh, Twelve, don't avoid saying the word dead or death. Like, just say it out. We've got all these, like, other phrases for, for, how, for what we want to say. Like, oh, they've uh, fallen asleep or, you know, they're, they're, they've moved. Uh, I don't know. We, we have other, uh, we, go, we go to great lengths. Our whole society has all these other phrases. It's okay to say they died. Chris died. Sarah died. Uh, yeah, it's, it's okay to, to, to say that. Don't avoid saying that word. Thirteen, this is a very modern one. Don't tag grieving relatives in photos of the dead online. So it's, it's pretty difficult when you're, when you're grieving. Um, a lot of times people just have to get off of social media altogether. Don't, you can post things online. You can post pictures of the dead online. That's totally fine. But don't tag their relatives so that it just jumps right at them the second they log in, okay? Just, just don't do that. Let them, let them search for it when the time comes. But let it come at their time. Don't tag them on that. Okay, number 14, do acknowledge their grief. I'm so sorry. You're like, I don't know what to say. I got three words for you. I'm so sorry. And then stop talking. It's okay. You, you don't have to say much. You don't have to have, you don't have to know what to say. Just say what's true. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So do acknowledge that grief. But also 15, do judge their reaction and be ready to change topics fast. Okay, if, if you say, hey, I'm so sorry, and it's clear that they don't want to talk about it at all, and, and they, they, they get all awkward about that, then, then you know, have that, have that backup, you know, switch topics really quickly. Um, isn't it great now that, that, that we can use each other's toilets? You know, it's kind of like the, the, quick, the, the great win of the week, I guess. We can, we can use each other's toilets. We can't go inside it for a chat, but we can, we can use it. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's probably a really bad example. That's a very terrible example. Um, but just be ready to switch topics fast. Like, you don't make them talk about it if they don't want to talk about that. Be sensitive. Be aware to that. 15. Number 16, don't say anything to diminish their grief. You know, like, oh, you know, they were old. Uh, they were old, so, you know, it's probably okay. Or, or, you know, hey, they lived a good life and, and all that sort of stuff. Or, you know, we knew it was coming. It's been a long time coming. Look, it still hurts whether the person is 33, 43, 53, 63, 93, 103. If you love them, it still hurts. It doesn't matter how old they are. It can still hurt. You just... It's, it, 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 and I hear people who are going through grief being like, yeah, but you know, they were 93 and I'm like, who cares? Who cares? It's, it's still grief. It's still, it's still grief. And so, you know, don't, don't do anything or say anything to diminish that. 17, don't have, you don't have to only focus on the good. 
real is okay. I've seen people get angry because when someone dies and, and they love that person, but there was also pieces of their life that wasn't good and it was hurtful and, and, and all they hear is the positive and they're like, oh man, I'm getting upset because it's, it's everybody thinks this person is a saint. Who, why isn't anybody talking about what's really real and, and they're struggling because they're grieving and yet they don't feel like it's appropriate to be real because all of a sudden we're supposed to just only acknowledge only the good and not say anything about, about the, the, the challenging. It's okay to be real. Real is okay. You don't have to only focus on the good. 18, pre- do prepare for the worst. Make sure that there's a plan for that person. Either you or someone close to them, make sure that they have an SOS system in, just in case they come up to a very scary moment in their grief. Hopefully they'll never have to do that, but if they get to a, a, a place where they are just overwhelmed with grief and they're at their worst, 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 who are they calling? Who is going to be there? Who is going to be rushing over to them in that moment? What is the plan for, for the very worst moment for that person in their grief? Make sure there's a plan, 18. Number 19, do give little bits often. For example, three words thinking of you. Three other words, praying for you. Thinking of you, praying for you. Those three words make great texts. And you're not limited, by the way, to to messaging someone once a week or even once a day. You can send thinking of you. Two hours later, hey, praying for you right now. An hour later, praying for you. Three hours later, thinking of you. Little bits, often, that, that can just mean so much. The tiniest bit, but, but often. Give little bits often. 20, number 20, don't judge. And They might be having a bad day. They might be saying uh, bad theology, saying bad things about God. Again, just be gracious, be gracious. Again, we talked a lot about that in Job. If you do speak the truth, keep it really, really, really simple. God still loves you. Just, but just keep it so, so simple. But, but mostly you're quiet and you're listening and you're letting them talk. 21, do what you feel nudged to do. Actually do it. Just do it. So don't say, this is, this is not really great. Don't say, if you need anything, just ask. That's not actually very helpful. Maybe you feel good, but it, it doesn't help at all. If you say, if you need anything, just ask, they're, they most people who are grieving do not have the capacity to think, what do I need help with? And who can I ask to help me with this? There are so many decisions. There's so much. It's, everything is overwhelming at the moment. Just do it. So you say, you, you don't say, if, if I can do anything, just ask. You say, I'm going to bring you a meal. I'm gonna, can I bring it tonight? No. Okay, you got somebody else bringing you a meal tonight. Can I bring it Thursday? Yes. You, uh, nobody's, okay. I am bringing you a meal on Thursday. Great. Just do it. Don't, don't ask. Um, I, I, I'm going to come over and, 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 I don't know, cut the grass. I, 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 you don't, uh, can I come over on, on Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m.? Okay, yeah, that will be fine. You can come over and do that. Great. Um, my family and I would like to take your kids out for a walk through the park with proper social distancing and, and all that sort of stuff. We'd like to come along at one o'clock tomorrow. Is that okay? Uh, would that be all right with you? Yeah, okay, that would be okay with me. That would be, that would be great. Do you want to come with us? No, I don't want to come with you, but, but I could use some time to kind of work through some stuff. Great. We're t- one o'clock tomorrow. We're, but don't ask, don't, don't say if you need anything, just ask. You tell them and do that, like, and do that. Okay, be specific. Again, 
Those are just generally true things. That's not specific. Everyone is different. Some people will want the exact opposite of what I just said there. But I want you to remember that grief is a process. It takes time. It's a good process. It's an important process for people to work through. People need to work through the five stages of grief. And, and we want to be patient as they're working through that, whether it's denial. Uh, people trying to process, did this really happen? Being patient with that, not being, not being sure about that. Uh, anger, people being angry, letting them work through anger. I remember my grandma, she, she, she was married for, for years and years and years. I don't know, 50, 60 years or more I, 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 like, to my grandpa. And, and she was angry at him for dying first. Uh, they were both super old, but she was so angry that he died first for, for several months. And, 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 you know, that's not something to, to reprove grandma for is it. it's, it's something to be patient about like like anger it's part of the process bargaining is part of the process depression get, you know feeling really um low sad as the loss really sinks in and then the process of acceptance as people who love people it can be hard to watch people suffer it can be hard to watch people grieving but we need to let them work through the process We need to let them work through the process, and we need to give them the grace. We need to give them the time. We need to give them the patience to work through the process that they need to work through. If you're grieving, I encourage you to be gracious to yourself. Be super gracious to yourself. Give yourself permission. Give yourself time to grieve. I'm not even going to try not to grieve. I'm going to spend the next 30 days grieving. I'm just going to give myself time to grieve. And And I do encourage you to hold on to the simple, simple basics about God, that He still loves you, that He's still with you, that He's still good. And then maybe run to your trusted community. Hopefully your, your people in your church who love you, your family and friends. No matter how painful or dark this, might, this moment might be for you, uh, it may just feel absolutely awful and devastating. I want you to know that there really is hope for you and your future. If you're grieving right now, I've got this really bizarre verse for you. And it's from the book of Job. Job 14, 7. It says this. It says, there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again. And its shoots will not die. Again, a very odd verse, but, but I, maybe you feel like you're a tree that's just been cut down. You feel like you've been cut down. And I want you to know that I do believe you will sprout again. That you will sprout again, that you will live again. That, that there will be new life in your future. That there's a new future ahead of you out there somewhere. But right now, it's good And it's right for you to grieve, to go through these processes that we've talked about today. But I do want you to know that this is for a season and not for forever. There is hope for you in your future. You will sprout again. You will live again. For those of you who uh, are not going through a grieving process yourself personally right now, here's my challenge for you. Number one, and the one and only challenge, do you know someone who's grieving Go and love them with helpful compassion, as we've talked about today. And and maybe you do, and and maybe you don't. But I'm going to pray right now for all of us that God would, would open our eyes to see those who are grieving and recall to mind how to respond to these people so that we can be God's people who love our neighbors well 
right now, this week in our city.